welcome to the weekend update. It's Friday the 20th of January 2023 and we have a wonderful lineup for you today. We've got the fantastic, the sensational in person, it's Paul Carlin. Hello Paul. Greetings Gal, greetings listeners, greetings Celtic, I guess. G- greetings to Celtic. Weird. You, you've went weird straight off the bat. Um, usually we wait a couple of minutes before you go weird. But Paul, it's a pleasure to have you. Uh, great to be in Cynic Towers. Lovely to see you in person. Um, great to be on the Weekend Update. I love the Weekend Update. Yes. Um, it's one of those podcasts that, you know, like, as a subscriber, there are must-listen-to podcasts, right? Yes. Um, and the Weekend Update for me is 100% one of them. Terrific. Um, another must-listen podcast is the Cynic Wars, of course, uh, your creation. We should do a Cynic Wars soon, shouldn't we? Yes. The last one was you and Stuart and Sermani. It was excellent. Very feedback tremendous. I have I have compiled the panel for the next one. I'm not going to say who it is, but I know who I want. So we should do that soon. We should do maybe an end of season Cynic Wars. It's like you're the manager and you come to me and I'm the director of football and say, this is who you want, but this is who you've got. Yeah, you know, so, we'll yeah, work our way down the yeah, list. Okay. Um, uh, that's that's fine. Um, that's it's fine. like, it's the same like in, uh, so when I worked in obviously like radio for years mm. and you're, you'd have this idea for a great feature or a great programme and you'd be like, right, I'm going to go for like David Tennant. I'm going to go for <laughs> um, Martin Comston. And you get like, Snedden from Take the High Road. That's not bad. I mean, you know, works for me. Uh, Mrs. Mack from Take the High Road. Uh, there's lots of Take the High Road people, I'm guessing. <laughs> they're, they're easy on. to get, gal. They're, 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 they're on retainer. Uh, and yeah. you know what? <laughs> they're, on, they're talented. So, uh, like you do with um, when I come to you telling you who I want for a podcast, it's the same in the world of. Uh, we're going to be bit off topic. We've gone off topic. Uh, let's get involved. Um, Celtic have a, a massive uh, Scottish Cup tie against Greenock Morton um, this weekend. We're going to get the Morton point of view. Um, we spoke to uh, Dean McKinnon, who oh, was. I thought it was going to be Colin Kearney. Ah, no, he's not. such a big Morton fan. He's going to the game. So as a Morton fan, as a Morton fan, <laughs> um, he'll be in the uh, the home crowd, of course, the away crowd, of course. Um, but no, uh, Dean McKinnon from the Just One Cornetto podcast, uh, which uh, yeah, great podcast. Just one. Cornetto. Yeah. That's what the podcast is called. That's what the podcast is called. I love that. Uh, and it's because ex Morton and ex Celtic uh, player Andy Ritchie mm-hmm. uh, apparently used to, um, when he was at Morton, he used to, what's the, when you do something out of hours or he used to moonlight as uh. a, an ice cream man. <laughs> <laughs> and he used to hand out Cornettos. Right. So, uh, we aside for now. I wouldn't expect to buy a Cornetto from an ice cream van. I'm expecting a Mr. Whippy slash soft serve slash scoop. I'm not expecting to go, Andy Ritchie, can I have a cone? And he hands me a Cornetto. But he'll hand it to you in a pure fancy flippy way. Okay. He's so uh, technically good. Uh, I, I, do, I do like that story though. I really enjoy that. Uh, I don't, I'm not a Cornetto person because it's got nuts on it and I'm not a nut guy oh, at all. You can get vegan ones as well now. Because Frankie, my partner's, uh, he can't have, uh, he's got Crohn's so he can't have um, like dairy. So sometimes we'll buy vegan Cornettos and they're really good, but yeah, there are nuts. What's uh, the push upon with nuts? Uh, they're disgusting and vile. Oh, Okay. I mean, it's it's quite a, you know... You could have just said, point. I got a sore tummy when I eat them. But it's not about that. They're disgusting. <laughs> <in my own. laughs> Least favourite nut? Autumn. 
Okay. Equally. So I'm an equal... Uh, so hang on, you, you'll eat like a cheese that's made from cashews, but you won't eat nuts? Well, it's back to that whole thing, uh, and we're really off topic at this point, but it's back to that whole thing where I can eat... I don't like onions. Mm, if the, I can the see, base of all flavour? Okay. If I can see them. All right. So if I can't see them, it's no bother at all. If I, Claire, like sometimes we had something very recently and um, like there was the stuff on top was nuts, right? And that was fine because uh, I didn't know it was nuts. Right. And so that was fine. So a nut and onion pie is your worst nightmare. Jesus, Paul. <laughs> Drizzled in ketchup. <laughs> it's like my... Anyway, it's uh, it's a pleasure to have you here, Paul. Um, we're setting ourselves up for the weekend. Uh, happy birthday to Claire Wilde. Yeah. It's her birthday today. Also, happy birthday to Kyogo Furuhashi. Mm. And uh, I was informed uh, this 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 morning, also happy birthday, I was informed by Mark Braceland, um, Celtic historian, happy birthday to Will Young. Oh. Um, he, like Claire and Kyogo, are evergreen. <laughs> He's got a big jaw. Uh, he's got yeah, a big jaw, doesn't I'm he? I'm like, what's his... Um, uh, ever, I mean, he's had loads of hits, right? Why is Evergreen the only one that I can... Because, that, I can't believe you can name one. Let's, I think let's... I could name three Will Young hits. Good for you, Paul. <laughs> let's talk about Celtic. We're five minutes in. Um, no, uh, happy birthday, Claire. Happy birthday, Kyogo. And Will. Um... Before we even get to the opening question, Dembele to Aston Villa or West Ham, disappointing. Uh, Mr. Dembele, uh, what's your kind of thoughts on that? Because um, there's been a lot of kind of throwaway, jokey comments about if Jack Marcus goes, who do you want to bring in? And, you know, people, yeah, a bit of fun. Uh, oh, go for Dembele, get Dembele. Obviously, he's out of our price range. He'll be out of our, in terms of what we can offer him. Uh I don't think he would fit. He wouldn't cut. He wouldn't come, right? He wouldn't come. I mean, one of the best strikers we've ever had, Dembele. Absolutely loved him. I thought he was. I think he was our best striker since Henrik Larsson at the time. I mean, I mean, yeah. yeah, I I mean, you you look at the strikers we've had since then, and the ones that made an impact. You know, we we both like Scott McDonald. He scored loads of goals. He was a a really important player. Dembele though was just this whole package of of something different we hadn't really seen. Um, and I think he just typified that resurgence when the rat was the manager. Um, I loved Dembele, but at the same time, I just don't. I don't think it would work in this team. Paul, what for you is the kind of key? And this, I've, this isn't on the rundown, but I just want to get this from you because I think it's interesting to find different people's perspectives on it. What are the key components that a Celtic striker has to do at Celtic beyond just scoring goals to be successful? Uh, work rate is hugely important, especially in the Ange system. Um, I think uh, it's like awareness. I felt like Dembele was always aware of what was going on around him. Typified, I've said typified twice, but the example of this is, remember the goal that Callum McGregor scored against Rangers? Yes. And it was his little layoff. beautiful. I think that, if I was to pick a Moussa Dembele moment, it would be that. Um, I think he was strong as well. I mean, I love a big, you know, like, Venegar Hesselink type player. Um, but Dembele had athleticism, um, has, I guess, still athleticism. He's not dead. <laughs> I know, yeah, he's not dead. Um, maybe he's dead. Could Jesus. he have died this morning? Sorry, I've, I've derailed this. I haven't had any sleep. Uh, it, so, um, but I think Dembele, I guess he was quite fast as well. Uh, think about him holding the ball up in the corner for 10 minutes as well against Rangers. So he, he was able to do a lot of stuff. I always felt like he was a really good all-round striker. Um, do you know, when you look at his goal-scoring record, he didn't score as many goals as I thought uh, for Celtic, but 
I still think his performances, and maybe, you know, with Scott Sinclair chipping in the goals at that point as well, a lot of them, um, James Forrest was scoring quite a lot in those days. I felt like he was just one of these, like, linchpins of that team. So, um, but again, I just don't, I, I, I couldn't see it working in... Uh, there's absolutely no chance he comes to Celtic just because of the wage will be on. He's close to being a free agent, so this is the last chance that Leon will get to get money for him. Um, and they're still talking about eighteen million quid. So that's I mean, good for us. I'm not. I don't think West Ham and Villa are as bad an option. West for Ham him. is where good strikers go to go to die. For the last five years, they've had so many good strikers that have underperformed there. Who, as soon as they've left. They've went on to bigger and better things. West Ham is just not a place for a good... It's not a place where a striker will thrive. Moyes is about to get sacked anyway, right? Yeah. So if West Ham do something smart and bring in a, a manager with... manager that knows how to get strikers firing. I don't know who that is, to be honest. I mean, I don't even know... Is it Ange Postacoglu? Do you think if, if, oh. if Moyes went, um, do you no. think Postacoglu would be at least linked? Because would be linked, yeah. I mean, let's jump ahead on the rundown. John Barnes uh, came out and uh, just some quotes from Barnes. Uh, if Ange Postacoglu wants to manage in a high-profile league like Steven Gerrard did, Jesus, then he should take the West Ham <laughs> job. It's not a question of a, step, of, of a stepping down, but of his ambitions. It's easier to win the league with Celtic than it is to keep Southampton from relegation. I, I, I don't know why, why he's talking about Southampton all of a sudden. Going to West Ham would be a step down in terms of the size of the club, but because Celtic is massive, but the Premier League would be a step up. Do you think that he's going to be on every list? And like, I know, I know, people will be like, "Oh fuck, why do you keep talking about him leaving?" We're not talking about him leaving. We're just talking about the inevitable media frenzy when a Premier League manager at a club the size of West Ham leaves and is going to be linked. So it's just a case of batting down the hatches, get your hard hats on, and just be prepared. He won't leave before the end of the season. I would be very, very... I mean, I would be amazed if he left before the end of the season. He might leave at the end of this season and we, as Celtic fans, just have to suck that up because this is the reality of life now. And I think Ange has actually done quite a good job of of maybe making it slightly less nostalgic for players. Like, you know, we're probably going to lose Yakimakis and uh, Juranovic in this window. And a year ago, that would have been, well, maybe less so Gigi, but, you know, Juranovic was one of the key players from last season and we were like, no, stay forever, don't leave. Anytime a Celtic player leaves that we like, I mean, not, not all of us, but I, man, I'm guilty of it, just tend to get really sad because you've become too connected to these players. So a little bit of detachment from players and from the manager is a good thing. I know we've had a lot of success under Ange Postacoglu, but... Do you think he's managed the expectations of how football clubs are run in regard to the potential for him to leave? I think he has. Yeah, I mean, you know exactly where you stand with Ange. He doesn't mince his words. You know, we're all big fans of his press conferences and the way he deals with the, with the, the media. Uh, he seems genuine. I use that word genuine quite a lot. He's a total genuine guy. And it, unlike previous managers... Brendan Rodgers in particular, who would just kind of play at the crowd and say what they thought was the right thing to say. Ange will just say what he means. And I don't think we've got... So I don't think we've got the... Wee's fans don't have the, the right to be mad at him if he goes to another job. Really? Because... If he goes to another job at the right time. End of the season is... End of a season is acceptable. January... Jenkins will be the end of the season. I think so, I. Really? Yeah. I mean, look at the success. He's going to win the league again this year, right? Probably probably another double this year. Right, let's, you know, touch wood, it happens. Probably another double coming. He's 
a brilliant manager of players. He's got a system that is exciting to watch. Hasn't worked in Europe, so maybe the only thing that I think would make him stay a bit longer is if he wanted another crack at the Champions League. I think he does. Well, he's, tell you what, he's not going to get that at West Ham United or Aston Villa. Well, that's the thing. I think I think we'll have him, um, I think, one more season. And by the way, I think one more season, three seasons, I think, for any manager is probably about right. Yeah. And if he did go at the, at the end of the third season, it would go with everyone's best wishes, um, depending on how next season went. But yeah, I, I would be shocked if he went at the, at the end of this at this summer. But I also kind of wouldn't be surprised. Uh, let's, we're, we're, we don't mean to be kind of... You know, it's not. It's. Just, I mean, it's the reality of it. But you know, yeah, we we, we can't be naive, right? Yeah, well, that's like, it. Let's not be naive. Let's let's learn from Ange. Let's do things the Ange Postecoglou way and be a bit more pragmatic and a bit more realistic about how things are going to operate from now on. You know, you're not. It, it's not like um, Martin O'Neill. It's not like. But Celtic, Celtic is a modern day football club. Should have a list of managers right now that they would like to approach when Ange leaves, whether that's in this summer or whether that's next summer or whether that's the summer after that. They should still have a list of managers. And one of them might be Paul Lambert. Ex-Celtic in Scotland, Captain Paul Lambert. I just, actually, I wasn't, I, I just really love Paul Lambert. He's one of my favourite ever Celtic players. Uh, what is it about central midfield Scottish players called Paul? Yeah, right. Um, I like Paul Lambert too, a great deal. Uh, one of my pals, um, it makes a podcast for the BBC called Sacked in the Morning. So it's oh, like, yeah. it's good. It's good. Good listen. And they did a show with Paul Lambert. I think it was on the telly. And Paul Lambert managed to say the F word five times <laughs> in three seconds. <laughs> it's unbelievable. So even more respect for him after that. Yeah. Uh, I like Paul Lambert. Like It's kind of sad that he's been out of management for so long, but I can understand why. I think Paul Lambert is a really smart guy. I think he's the type of guy that's probably spent the last couple of years obviously doing quite a bit of media work, but I think he'll be looking at the way Ange Postacoglu manages Celtic and thinking, hmm. Because I think Paul Lambert has that tactical brain, right? A brilliant player, absolutely excellent player. One of the best ever Celtic midfielder. I think we did, um, when we do our uh, Tears of a Cynic, Lambert would have been golden boots for sure. No right? question. Uh, I'm... Not completely against Paul Lambert managing Celtic one day, but I would like him to have... You are, sorry, can I just interrupt? You are 100% against Paul Lambert being manager because it would be a disaster. I love Paul Lambert, one of my my favourite ever players, but he shouldn't be anywhere near... My point being, he should be the Hearts manager or he should be the Hibs manager. He'll probably be the next Hibs manager. Well, it probably, because he basically came out today and said that he would not be against managing in Scotland and uh, all that sort of stuff. I just wanted to highlight that because we don't talk about a guy like Paul Lambert enough and all of them. He should be the Hibs manager, actually. Lee Johnson's hopeless. Hibs Hibs have a lot of very good players, but they are run, the club is run a bit strangely and the manager is absolutely rotten. The players don't seem to be playing for him at all. Paul Lambert could maybe get them playing better. Um, I, I love Paul Lambert too. Yeah, just, just wanted to say that. Yeah, good. Um, opening question is from our good friend Jambo Roy. Uh, he asks, how important is it that we trim the squad this window? We have some people most would say should move on, Adaguchi, McCarthy, Bain, but there are some that we'd maybe want to cash in on. GG, GG, the bull. Um, <clears throat> good question. 
Jambo. We've got a transfer committee coming up on Monday. Oh, sorry, Sunday. We've got the transfer committee, which was recorded the other day, which was a lot of fun. We do a bit of squad analysis. We're going to do a little bit more squad analysis with our good friend Paul Carlin. Um, we're going to do a Champions League squad breakdown on Monday on the agenda. Um, again, looking at the players that could, you know, the homegrown players and stuff like that. So we'll do that. Paul... <coughs> Your thoughts on players who you think should go up in regards? Let's let me let me talk you through it. I mean, Hearts secretest Bane. Shout out to my fellow Baniacs first and foremost, um, particularly Joseph Goss, who um, every time I see that he's like, "You're talking to yourself. <laughs> You're just talking to yourself." That's a terrible impression of Joe. Uh, <clears throat> um, we need a new goalkeeper, so I mean, I would happily pass all three of them <laughs> and get three new ones in. Um, you maybe, you maybe hold on to. I think Scott Bain's on a ridiculously long contract. Twenty twenty six. Right. I mean, you maybe you hold on to Bain because you think about your Scottish player. Sorry, sorry, that. sorry. Uh, Seagrass is twenty twenty six. Scott Bain is twenty twenty four. Okay, we'll get rid of Scott Bain and keep Seagrass. Keep one of them. Um, we need a new goalie this summer. Is a goalie a big kind of? I'd say it's my priority. Uh, I think Joe Hart has been really good. I think Joe Hart is going to end up being like our fourth or fifth best goalie, um, modern day. Uh, but, not very hard. You know, right, I'm like, hang on, who's better than him? Even Craig Gordon's better than him. Uh, priority for me is goalkeeper. Um, uh, I think, I feel like Scott Bain's just there for the banter, really. Like, to just make everybody happy in the dressing <laughs> they gave room. Give him a new to, contract just for the banter. And like to... I don't know, increase the the good-looking player quota. Um, Segrist, I thought, was a bit of an odd signing. Um, again, they've got Oluwemi as well, who's gone on loan to Cork City, yeah. which is fucking strange. Like, it's just a strange thing, I isn't just, it? Nothing against, I mean, God, nothing against the League of Ireland. Jesus Christ, calm down, Paul. You know, but the League of Ireland's not where I would be sending my players to. I don't think if a, if a player goes to the League of Ireland, I don't necessarily think it puts them in a position that they can come back and challenge at Celtic. That's no disrespect to the League of Ireland. I think it's a good standard. I think it's improving all the time. Yeah. It's probably not that far off the Scottish League. Aye. But at the same time, you know, if you look at some of the results in the, like, Iron Brew Scottish League Challenge Cup when the Irish teams and Welsh teams are in it, it's... The Scottish teams always, the championship teams in Scotland always tend to beat them. Yeah. Then people would say, well, what about your Shamrock Rovers beating? Uh, I get it. <clears throat> My oh. point being, the quality of the league overall probably isn't going to set you up to play for Celtic. No. So, how do we know if this kid's going to make it? Probably, I mean, at this rate, he probably isn't. And Goalkeeper's really tough as well. Yeah. I, but you do, you, you, I would love for Celtic to bring through a young goalkeeper and he's our goalkeeper for, like, Packy Bonner, right? You you want a player to come in young and be your goalkeeper for a long time. I mean, it's maybe unrealistic. And well, David Marshall right. was the last one and Aye. that went sour really, really quick yeah. because David Marshall went through a period of being a young... He came in and he hit the bricks so quickly and he started doing so well so quickly that obviously there was a bit of a drop-off and Celtic went, oh, God, you know, let's get rid of him. And he was only still only, like, 20 um, probably should have really saw him. I, you know, David Marshall's had a great career, so ultimately it's fine. But Toby Oluwemi, if he is good enough, we're just not going to see if he's good enough for Celtic at Cork City. And again, no disrespect because it's a fine league. It's just not a league. Uh, there are the teams in Scotland, Celtic. Um, there are teams in the Scottish Premiership that you could send them to, and you would say the same thing. Yeah, that it's just not going to give them that. I don't know. 
Yeah, yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't go really tough. Um, so out of all, say, well, Connor Hazard as well, right? He's still in the books for Celtic. So he is out of contract in the summer. Okay, so effectively he's away. So look, we've got four goalkeepers, and how many of them are really... six goalkeepers? What do you mean? Who are the other two? We've got Hart, Seagrest, Bain, Olioemi, Barkas, and Hazard. Oh. <laughs> Barkas. Oh fuck! Maybe he'll come back and be be the guy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay, I, I I think maybe I mean we're not gonna I don't I don't think Celtic are gonna let a goalkeeper go in this window. It does it seems unrealistic. So if we're talking looking at Jambo Roy's question, I can't see us getting rid of it. Yeah, so yeah, Jambo Roy's question, this window, okay, so that's a good 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 focus, Paul. Um this window, no goalkeeper's gonna go. I agree with you on that. In regards to midfielders, and we're not gonna go through the whole squad because you've got guys like Sorrow still under contract. <sighs> He's on loan. Where is he playing in Israel or somewhere he's like that? He's in Israel, yeah. Right. You've got Shaw still under contract as well. Yeah. Uh, Robertson looks like he's heading off to be with Scott Brown at... Uh, Fleetwood Town. Fleetwood Town. Great. That's a good move for him, I think. Yeah. Uh, League One, working under Bruni. Yeah, good level. Um, McCarthy. McCarthy hasn't... Is, has he even played one game for Celtic this season? Maybe one or two max coming on as a sub? He is... He doesn't uh, make squads anymore. Aye, he's a high wage. Um, love him as a person. You know, wish it had worked out better. He's actually not on that high a wage. It's just that the he's on not not on that high a wage, but it's the length of the contract. So he's got what another year after this? Two years after this? Oh, jeez, oh. Um, even if he's not on a high wage, even if if it's those players that are on like four, five, six, seven grand. Oh, he's on he's on fourteen grand a year. Oh, oh well, then that I think that's I think that's a really high wage. No, but, but for someone, but for someone who is a free agent, but for someone that doesn't play at all, yeah, you know, all of that, all of this adds up. If you could get one more top class player by trimming five players that are on between five and fifteen grand, mm-hmm. right? So McCarthy, no brainer. McCarthy, Idaguchi, Abelgard. I mean, could Abelgard's loan just be cut? Because I think it could. I think you. I think as then again, I say I think you could. It's the twentieth, and I think if it was going to get done, it might have got done already. I don't know why we're holding on him. I mean, God love him. We all that that he should have been a great signing for Celtic. It should have worked out. But with Awata coming in, there's no way he's going to be making squads anymore. Uh, there's there's man, no like, way that he, any of those guys, the three of them, McCarthy, Idaguchi, or Abelgard, none of them will make squads. I don't think Turnbull's going to struggle to make squads. Aye, uh, and that, that is a shame. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get rid of Turnbull this window, but he might be just be thinking, right, my opportunities are limited here. Uh, he would has he be better served playing somewhere else? Where do you think Turnbull would go? What what do you think Tur- David Turnbull's level is? Uh, what do I think his level is? I think potentially his level is Premier League in England. I really, really do. Now West that's, Ham, Aston Villa, Southampton. Is he a better player than Stuart Armstrong? He's a different player than Stuart Armstrong. If you could give Stuart Armstrong David Turnbull's technical ability, or you could give David Turnbull Stuart Armstrong's kind of ability to move around the pitch and pace then you'd have the perfect player but yeah. if Stuart Armstrong can go down <laughs> to England you and hate have, Stuart Armstrong I, so. I, I really don't I just I, <laughs> yeah you do I, I don't hate him I loved him He's, he was one of my favourite Celtic players I just kind of there's something about him I found even how he's played for Scotland I, I just find him a really frustrating footballer specifically for the national team um, you know that pass against England etc etc but my point being I think Turnbull could go. I honestly think some Turnbull could go to somewhere like Brentford, uh, okay. and you know, 
work work really well. There are there are options for Turnbull. He might have to drop into the English Championship, mm-hmm. but that's just because he's not played a lot of football. But then you look at it and you say, if Lewis Ferguson can go to Serie A, yeah, and Serie A is all about technical ability, then well, it's all about you that, know that having gonna, an eye. It's going to be my next point because I think he David Turnbull and how Henderson played uh, for Celtic. I mean, obviously different players, but I just kind of see a he's a better player than Henderson. A similarity there, yeah, he is better player than Henderson. But there, there's something there. There's like a sort of um, I think he's a better player than Le- Lewis Ferguson. Oh, for sure, yeah, of course he is. Lewis Ferguson. I mean. Maybe Lewis Ferguson has a better player than we give him credit for. Maybe we just don't like. He's him been playing he's well. He, he's been playing well for Bologna, and I think I do think he's a good player. I just genuinely think that David Turnbull has more to his game, and I think actually the more I'm thinking about it, I think Serie A, for example, if Turnbull was to leave, because he, there is no guarantee that he's going to leave. Um, but if he was to leave, I, I think he's one of those guys who would just go over there and just absolutely just. Tear it up, go to a new level. I'd love it for him. I mean, I like, I really like David Turnbull. You know, let's not overlook the fact that he really stepped up for his last season, dragged us through that tricky period. Him and Tam playing as number eight is absolutely bizarre. Um, I just think he's going to struggle to play much football for the rest of the season because of the form of McGregor, uh, because how well Moy's playing. O'Reilly, even though he's not having the best period just now, we know how good he is. Iwata's come in. So, I mean, you're looking at McGregor, Hatati, O'Reilly, Moy, Awata and Turnbull as your six midfielders for three positions. That's great, but you're talking about, if you're looking at the bench, you're probably only looking at three starters and two of them making the bench. Yeah. And it's probably going to be McGregor, Hatati and O'Reilly with Moy and Awata on the bench. Yes. Which means Turnbull, Turnbull drops more out. than likely drops out. That's not guaranteed and that's not confirmed. Injuries happen and all that stuff, but yeah. Um, wingers, Jota, Maida, Haksibanovic, Abada, Forrest, you'd keep all them. Yeah. Um, yeah, and there, I think on the weekly, uh, Alan, Sermani and yourself talked about, you know, you're kind of starting front three against Rangers. I mean, it's, it's Maida, Jota and Kyogo are the best three players out of that lot. But Haksibanovic, as you discussed, is, there's something with that Beautiful. guy. And I, I think he will... I think we'll see the best of him next year, um, and I'm and I think Forrest is is proving that he's still got the ability to influence games and make a contribution. And um, actually, I'm quite enjoying Forrest coming on as a sub in some of these games. the The game against Kelly last week, I thought he was good. I thought he just came on, and I felt way more comfortable with him on the pitch. Um, obviously, the hat trick against Hibs earlier in the season was a magical moment for him. So, no problem with any of that. Do you actually think we're maybe? Do you think we could use another? Wide player, um, like a like a young wide player. Jo, uh, we, were, <clears throat> we were talking about this yesterday. Well, is that Rocco Vata? Oh, forgot about Rocco Vata. Well, yeah. I mean, it, I mean, is it Mikey Johnson coming back? <gasps> Pe- people don't see the thing about Mikey Johnson is people have made their mind up, and you know what? That's fine. That does happen. I've done it in the past. I'll probably do it in the future. Where they want Mikey Johnson just not to come back and to kind of be moved on again. I understand that. However, he's playing pretty well in Portugal. Um, he's a good... I, I like him. I still like him. And I think as much as he frustrates, I think come the summertime, he could start from the beginning and who knows. Maybe Andrew say, listen, son, you know, you're, you, you've done so well away that we've not needed you. Maybe move him on or whatever. You're not going to get game time, but he's still an option. But yeah, I think <clears throat> Jota and Haksabanovic, very similar. Maida and Abada and Forrest, very similar in regards to how they play. So mm. 
it might be worth, I don't know, some one more player. Uh, Centre-backs, we've got CCV, we've got Starfield, we've got Kobayashi, we've got Jens and Welsh. You also have Lowell and Murray as well, our two kind of young players who kind of... Uh, Boson Lowell seems to be in and around the first team a lot more. Mm. Um, but Jens and Welsh, it's, you know, Jens didn't make the squad last week. Welsh did, but you also need to remember that CCV wasn't there, so when everyone's fit, CCV will more likely start, Kobayashi takes the bench and they both drop out. Yeah, you need four centre-halves, I think, and I think you potentially cut Jens' loan short or you send Welsh can, can out. We get rid of, can we get rid of both of them in this window, though? So then you're left with three centre-halves... And this Starfield gets injured again, and you're just you've got who who fills in a what? I can play centre half. What about Lawal as well? But again, I wouldn't be very comfortable about. He's still, I think he's still a bit. Yeah. He's not had a lot of first team experience. Not exactly, and it's had a lot of pressure to put on a young player, even though you know he looked okay in pre-season. Iwata uh, at centre half is he not five foot nine? He started as a centre half and he was moved into central midfield, but also yes. But that yeah, that just feels like a. a, a um, Gary Caldwell situation for me and to be honest you know I'm sure Martin Free will have my back on this that doesn't appeal in the slightest gal play players in their best position fair enough um, but what do you do with Jens and Welsh uh, if Stephen, uh, Stephen Welsh um, I think we all appreciate that he's a talented footballer we all like him but it seems like his game time is going to be limited um, he's fourth choice at this point and that's with Jens still there do you cut Jens's contract and um, loan deal and keep Welsh, or do you get rid of Welsh and just keep Jens's loan deal to the end of the season? If you had to make one of those choices, I think it depends on what. I think I would be speaking to Stephen Welsh, and you kind of want to know what his aspirations are. Because if he is quite happy to be the fourth choice centre back at Celtic for the rest of his career, he wants to play for Scotland. And he's only going. And he, by the way, I tell you something. See if he gets game time, he'll get he'll get in the Scotland squad. Well, then you keep Jens for the rest of the season. You send Welsh out on loan and let him play his way into form. I mean, I don't mind Stephen Welsh. He's he's he is he's a perfect fourth choice Celtic defender. Um, scored the opening goal. Scored our first goal this season as well. Yeah, against Aberdeen. Um, he's he's not at the same level remotely as Starfelt and Carter Vickers. And I, and I was quite impressed with Kobayashi the other night as well. Um, I'd like to see him get some more game time. I'd like to see him go and be the sort of main centre-half for another team, ideally in the same division or maybe even Championship in England. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't sell him yet. Let's not sell him yet. Because, again, I always think about, like, I play so much football manager, I'm always thinking about homegrown talent. And if you're, I mean, you're going to talk about this on Monday in the agenda, you have to leave gaps in your squad if you can't fill them with homegrown players. Yeah, and that's a, that's a a good point. So, <clears throat> if you had to choose Jens or Welsh this window under Jambo Roy's, uh, keep Welsh and just cut Jens' loan. Yeah, would be my my, my choice because I think Welsh can play games in the league if we had injuries quite comfortably. I, I agree. Uh, Johnson, Ralston, Juranovic, Taylor, Bernabai. Well, Juranovic is going, so that solves that. Two two players for each position. Um, Do you think he's definitely going? Fuck, definitely, man. Okay. Like, it's just, uh, this is how I prepare myself. Just let him go. Great. He's been a great player for Celtic. One of the best fullbacks in modern times. Um, plays that inverted role really well. Great person, by all accounts. Really bought into the club. 
Um, I'm absolutely horrified by some of the figures that are getting thrown about, but until an actual bid's made... We talk, about that. we talk about that in detail on the transfer committee on okay, Sunday. Good, so. good. Oh, I'm looking forward to hearing that. Um, but yeah, I just think he's going. So, and if he wasn't going, I don't think I would get rid of any of them because we've had injuries in, in those areas. Um, I think actually left-back's a wee concern. Bernabe, when you play Bernabe at home at St. Johnson, plays really well. I thought he had a hard time at the weekend and he had a hard time against Kelly the week before but I think he does grow into games he needs game time so uh, it's a tricky one that I don't know um, I actually thought Juranovic did pretty well midweek as well at left back but uh, it just shows how important Greg Taylor is to this squad it does it does it really does uh, forward wise Kyogo Giacomakis GG's away yeah we need well we need cover um, so I guess we'll talk about potential cover there but um I like Yakimakis, man. Like he's a kind of a he's kind of a shit house, and he's kind of a bit of a joke figure in some ways. But uh, it was great to see him score at the weekend. Uh, if that's his final contribution to Celtic, then what a way to go! Um, some news, uh, kind of an update. Uh, the South Korean striker Oh Hyo Hyun Gyo. Oh Hyun Gyo. It's been reported by uh, Anthony Joseph on uh, Twitter and there's an article on the Sky Sports website. Celtic so close to an agreement with the K-League side, uh, Suwon Blue Wings, to sign uh, the South Korean World Cup striker. Sky Sports understands the player is keen on the move to Celtic Park. The Scottish champions are confident the deal can be done and there are, are plans in place for his medical. Celtic have made an offer for Hyo, um, sorry, O's uh, South Korean teammate Cho, but talks have stalled uh, with Jubunk Hyundai Motors. Um but then that seems to be there seems to be a report online as well that he wants to come to Celtic now, <laughs> and that he's kind of um, Been knocking video on his called door and all that. Do you hear yeah. about this? I love that. <laughs> you know, he's video called with uh, Ange mm-hmm. and, uh, Cho. Um, Cho is the number one striker. Yeah, and uh, Gyo is the second choice. Mm-hmm. And yeah, what would you prefer, Paul? Uh, I thought Cho was great at the World Cup, the games I saw him play in. Um, Kink came off the bench to score two goals. Yep. Uh, he looked a player. He, looked, he really looked yeah, a player. He looks like uh, someone that, that could... I mean, they would, they would start by deputising for Kyogo initially, I think, but you would imagine that... He, he looks better than Yakimakis, right? Put it that way. Uh, haven't seen any of uh, Ohyun Gyo at all. Like the profile quite a lot. 21, decent scoring record for a young player. He's playing in the, the K-League, obviously, which is a decent standard. He really wants to come to Celtic, so that I like. Yes, if I'm a fan of that as well. If the, the pool of our club is that important and that kind of appealing to uh, a young player from South Korea, then that's good for me. I mean, obviously, you think you talked recently about um, when Key was playing for Celtic, just the amount of... The banners everywhere. Yeah, and so there's there's lots of, of pros to this. Um, it sounds like it probably wouldn't be too big a risk if it didn't quite work out for him. So why can't we just sign them both? That's my I, question. Like, why sign them both? Um, I think that's smart. Sign them both. Uh, just because it's the outlay on both of them won't be that much. No. Um, I think the, the risk factor wouldn't be that high. It's not um, like signing bloody like Amido Baldi and Albion Ayeti, like Skepovic. Like it feels like way less of a, a risk a risk than those guys. Um, the fact is, I think that one of these deals will be done. If, whether both will be done is still to be seen. But 
Kevin Nisbet, uh, some nice words from uh, Kieran Tierney. Uh, Kieran Tierney came out uh, and he was asked about him and he said, Kev's the kind of player who could go anywhere, not just Celtic, and score. He's a born goal scorer. I was playing in the younger age groups with him. He was always a top goal scorer for us. One season he had over 100 goals. I know it's different when you're younger, but you still don't score 100 goals if you're not a natural goal scorer. So he could easily score goals at any level. I've no doubt about that. Uh, we talked about Kevin uh, Nisbet uh, in detail this week, uh, specifically on the weekly. If you want to go back and listen to that. Uh, Paul, your kind of brief thoughts on him? I like him. Um, I think he's a, a really good striker. Um, good to see him come back from injury and score a hat-trick yeah. a few weeks ago. Um, yeah. I, 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 I think he's quality. I think he's uh, I think he's about a level with Yakimakis, as far as I'm concerned. That's just from watching him. I think he's maybe got more to his game than Yakimakis, and he could probably learn as well. Um, but I'd, I'd rather have the South Korean players than Kevin Nisbet, if I'm being honest. I agree. And I, I think compl- it would be shite to sign him and then just have him warm the bench, because he's he's a better player than that. I couldn't agree more. Absolutely good point. We don't want to be in a situation where we're just... Um, stockpiling players because nah. we've done that in the past and it's not worked out for the player and it's not worked out for us and you end up having three or four players on long-term deals and you either have to let them go on a free transfer or you have to kind of yeah so it's a bit of a nightmare that way but yeah um great stuff that's kind of most of the news um it is an ever-evolving situation things break quite quickly with the obviously the transfer window but if anything else comes up we can talk about it over on on monday on the agenda which we're looking forward to quite a bit um i just wanted to highlight the fact that why are you laughing I thought that was quite good, no? I just like, as the agenda which we're looking forward to quite a bit. It's just an unusual turn like, of phrase. Like, like. You sometimes see things in podcasts, Gal, that... Uh, like. I mean, firstly, <laughs> I sometimes say stuff that makes absolutely no sense, but a lot of the time, no one ever picks me up on it. What I love is when you're you're doing on the agenda, you'll do like, so here's, here's, here's your panic. agenda for the week, here's a cynic uh, line oh, I, I, and you're like, you're listening to the, you're listening to the agenda which I hope you are listening to and probably enjoying and that drops at one o'clock every Monday but you're already see, listening every, to it so every, it's probably like th- see <laughs> every, every single Monday I always think right see that bit where you introduce what's coming up write something out because you always panic and just have and you've got uh, Kieran, Devlin and, and Alan looking at you like what the fuck are you talking about and I just start warbling start um, with Tuesday because it, the people are listening to the agenda. Listen. Yeah, people are already listening to the agenda, right? So my advice to you is, a, an experienced producer, start on the next day. It's so weird, man. I, and as I say, sometimes I say weird things, and no one ever picks me up about it. It's good. It's good. <laughs> I don't. I don't want you to change. Never, ever, ever change. Uh, it's a hundred years to the day that um, since Jimmy McGrory made his debut for Celtic, he made his debut on January the twentieth, nineteen twenty-three, against Third Lanark at Cathkin. The funny thing is, Third La- um, Kathkin uh, is where I, if you went to Holyrood, uh, Holyrood um, Secondary School, I don't know if it's the same now, but when I used to go to Holyrood, we used to do cross-country Kathkin. Mm. We used to run around the pitch and all the way around the back. We did it at Jack's Park in Solcoots. No one asked. Who played Who played at Jack's Park? Who made their debut at Jack's Park? Uh, it was games when he really proper games when he really played there, but Roy Aitken would have played on Jack's Park. Did he make his debut for Celtic in Jack's Park? Actually, yes, he did. Oh, Jesus. Um, oh, yeah, my God. I, just, I mean, just let me check. Celtic Wiki, Roy Aitken, debut. Yeah, Jack's Park, Solcoots. 
So, uh, Jim McGrory, he, 100 years ago today, um, January 20th, 1923, um, Jim McGrory scored an incredible 55 hat-tricks during his 15 <laughs> years with Celtic, over 468 goals. Um, that's the number on the Celtic, so there's a really nice wee article on the Celtic website, if you go to CelticFC.com, um, one of the news articles is just a wee article about McGrory, it's nice, it kind of sums everything up nicely. They've got 468 uh, on other kind of websites, they've got more goals, but you know, let's let's trust Celtic on it. Um, famously, the nineteen twenty five Scottish Cup final, uh, the Patsy Gallagher final, um, mm. because he's Patsy Gallagher scored an overhead kick. Um, but Jimmy McGrory, uh, his header three minutes from the uh, from time gave Celtic a two one victory in his first winner's medal as a Celtic player. His role of honour. Read the role of honour, of course. Reads as follows. Three league titles, 26, 36 and 38. Five Scottish Cups, 25, 27, 31, 33 and 37. Um, he just was incredible. He became the manager for a very long time. Jock Steen actually took over from him in 1965. Um, Celtic tried to sell him to Arsenal, but he wouldn't go. Good. And he actually took a £1 pay cut. <laughs> Which in those days, Paul, was a lot of money. Well, aye. I mean, I remember. I'm old enough to remember. <laughs> when it went up, it was a lot. But it's, it's classic Celtic that, like, Jimmy McGrory is one of the greatest ever legends and we tried to pap him to Arsenal. They tried to set up a, like, a meeting, a sort of, they were going through um, Houston Station. It's like, oh, here's the Arsenal manager and the Arsenal chairman. Oh, isn't this a, isn't this a surprise, Jimmy? And they tried to, like... It's like what you do with children, isn't it? You do that with kids. You're like, oh, look, it's uh, it's the your teacher who is going to do us. I don't know what the, what the situation is. Is your teacher's going to give you a surprise maths lesson? No, I've, yeah. I've lost. I've You've lost it. You've lost it. You've lost it. But uh, Celtic, it's kind of funny. Just Celtic um, oh, trying to sell Kelly's the best it. ever player, and uh, uh, you know, then him taking a pay cut because he doesn't want to leave. It sums him up. But Jeremy McGroy, I think uh, you mentioned that we hadn't there were not a lot of podcasts about it. I'm going to speak to Mark Braceland and hopefully we can do a pod on Jimmy McGroy. Uh, his history, him as a player, because there, there should be a statue. Yeah, there should be a, for 100% should be. I mean, it's something, you know, we have that conversation who should the next statue be? Scott Bain, in my opinion. But <laughs> uh, Jimmy McGrory not having a statue at Celtic Park is, is honestly, it, it's kind of scandalous. Um, as a manager, wasn't the most successful Celtic manager, but there were certainly were extraneous circumstances. But as a player, Unrivaled, I would say. Do you know what I've just realised as well? Um, so there's some nicknames for Jimmy McGrory and Mark Mark uh, Braceland when we, we've ever done kind of history podcasts. Love to kind of touch on uh, nicknames. The Human Torpedo, right? Yes. Which we'll all have heard. The Golden Crust, which I quite like. But I mean, he's basically this was the he was the original Yanis Hadji, the mermaid. Oh, but not for using both feet, which I think is why we call yeah yeah uh, for his heading ability. Do the mermaids like splash out of the water? Yeah, they do. They splash out and then I think their feet, it's like his feet were together. I don't know. Very strange. Um, but I, I love the idea of a statue and I certainly love the idea of you and Mark doing a um, Jimmy McGrory uh, special. We'll definitely do that. That sounds great. Um, yeah, so it's a nice wee kind of uh, reminder. As I say, the wee article on the website, CelticFC.com, was uh, was nice. I, I read it this morning. It gave me a wee kind of, a wee buzz. So check it out. Um Celtic take on Greenock Morton in the Scottish Cup uh, at 12.30pm kickoff. Celtic Park. Um, Scottish Cup, Paul, first memory? Uh, 
I've thrown this Probably, no, no, it's a good question. I, I mean, like, I, it, it can't be McAvenny scoring an injury time against the United, but that's the first one that really going kind to of springs to mind. Um, maybe Aberdeen beating Hearts 3-0 in 86. I remember uh, watching that at my pally in McLaughlin's house. Um, and I think that's the first Scottish Cup final I can remember sitting in front of a telly watching. So I'd have been 86, I'd have been... Eight, seven or eight years old, um, but I, I would say the the centenary season Scottish Cup, uh, Frank McAvaney scoring an injury time is the is the one, and obviously like you know we've talked about that game quite a lot in the past. Yeah. So yeah, I, I would I would say that favorite Scottish Cup match you've attended. Ooh, uh, oh, oh, you've really put me on the spot here. Um, I was trying to remember the last time I was at Hamden, and I think it was the Dundee United game. Um, before Saturday you were there on Saturday of course yeah obviously on Saturday there but I hadn't been for years and years before that so I think it was the Dundee United game when Ronnie was the manager but I wouldn't say it was a particularly great game that I attended so it must have been one at Celtic Park which would be like quarter final type stuff oh god gal games just all seem to blend into one another now um, <laughs> they honestly do like I can't I, sometimes I can't remember the, whether a game was a league match or a cup match because we're just playing plankton all the time. Um, come back to me on that. I'll have an answer for you before the end of the podcast. Of course, of course. yeah. I'd say that mine uh, favourite was probably Larson's last game, the, the the 2004 Scottish Cup final, or uh, the 2-0 game against Rangers in 1997 uh, when Paolo Di Canio scored and Malky McKay scored. Um, but yeah, I mean... Lots and lots of memories, just fantastic. Um, Morton, we've played Morton a number of times over the last couple of years. The last time we actually played them was the 2015-16 season, the 6th of March. Uh, we beat them three goals to nil. Um, before that, we beat them 1-0 on the 2009-2010 season. Uh, and then the time before that, that, we lost them in the League Cup 1-0. Um, I was at that 3-0 game. Definitely. The 3-0 game. Definitely at that game. Um, in regards to this game, how, how are you feeling about it? Because, you know, we talked, uh, you know, Alan was quite uh, happy to make a whole host of changes for this match. Um, what's your thoughts? I agree. Um, we will win this game. Well, at a canter, a perfunctory win. I wouldn't. I'm Jesus, predicting. you are um, <laughs> terrifying yeah, me. I was at, no, I was at that League Cup game, the 1-0 Um in 2013 I think and yeah. it was it was rotten so yeah these games can be banana skins but that was a different era of Celtic that was Neil Lennon as the manager as well there's no way that Ange Postacoglu does not have this entire squad prepared for this game and because we've got a squad that is kind of your time is limited that you know sometimes when you have these matches where you put in players who maybe haven't had a lot of game time and it's just kind of they go through the motions because they know they're not going to be in the team next week it seems to be that Ange has this idea that if you're in the team and you impress you, there is a potential you don't know who's going to play next week so players are hungry to impress yep. so that's why wholesale changes doesn't scare me as much as maybe it did even last season I think last season we hit, we made wholesale changes and the players that we were bringing in maybe again weren't to the standards but you know We've got lots of options now. And how would you how would you like Celtic to line up, Paul? I'd like to see uh, Kobayashi play. I'd like to see Iwata play. Um, I think it's a good game to play James Forrest. Uh, maybe Forrest and Abada. Um, I think you'd still, you still want Kyogo. I'd still play McGregor, obviously. Um, I think Burnaby 
plays. I think Johnson plays. Uh, I might as well just go through the squad. Hart, Burnaby. Starfelt. Starfelt and Kobayashi, because Starfelt's our best defender, obviously. Uh, Johnson. A midfield three of Iwata, because I think in a game like this, it can be a wee bit war of attrition at times. So play Iwata, McGregor, and Turnbull. Okay. Front three of... Good chance for Turnbull, yep. Forrest, Kyogo, and Leo Labada. So you're playing James Forrest on the left? Yes. Okay. I know, okay. not popular, but he's played in the left. I think he's played in the left. I feel like he's played there more often. Would you not, not play Haksabanovic? Oh, fuck, Haksabanovic. Forgot about him. Oh, yeah, fuck Abada. Fuck Abada. Then Abada on the bench, Forrest on the right, Haksabanovic on the left. You can sorry, play, how could I forget about Haksabanovic? You play Haksabanovic on the left? Um, no, sorry, that's what I meant to say. Forrest on the right, Haksaw on the left. Nice. Because uh, perfect game to get him up, match fit, get him ready and fit for the, the run-in because while I don't think he's going to be a starter, I think he'll play an important role the rest of the season. And then, like, off the bench, if it's not going, I mean, Jota, Abada, Maeda, O'Reilly, there's your, like, you've got options there to change the game. Um, could you name out some of the, name out, could you read out some of the names from the Morton team? Um, because Effie Ambrose is, is obviously there. Is it Robbie Muirhead's, uh, he's a good player. He's he's played in the, the Premiership. Um, and there's another couple of players. Calvin Miller. Calvin Miller plays, uh, I'm assuming, as like a left winger or as a forward because he played mostly as a fullback for us. Um, Calvin Miller, he plays left wing. Right. Um, Jai Katongo, uh, kid of Jose Katongo, of course. Uh, but Jai Katongo's played... I think he played for Hamilton and um, I think he was at Queen's Park at one point as well. Played for quite... He's basically a, a, a championship-level striker. Um, uh, Liam Grimshaw, who played for Motherwell, I think, plays for Morton. Effie Ambrose, as you've mentioned. Alan Lithgow, that's a name from, like... It's, it's a name from, yeah. I, like, I feel like he maybe played for Thistle or, or somebody like that or Ross County. Um, there's a guy called Carlo Pignatiello. I don't know who that is, but I would like to know more about him. Well, to find out more about Morton in general, um, let's get the Morton point of view. I'm joined now by Dean McKinnon from the Just One Cornetto Morton podcast. Hello, Dean. How are you, sir? How are we doing, Chris? Yeah, very well. Thanks. Thanks for inviting me on. Lovely stuff. Uh, Just One Cornetto? Yes, there's... There's actually a few versions of the story as to why Morton fans started singing the song. I believe the kind of most popular is that at one point while we were part-time, kind of 70s, 80s, um, actually former Celtic player Andy Ritchie was apparently supplementing his wages by going round Greenock in an ice cream van. <laughs> and apparently it stuck. I think there's another version of the story that I think it was just a particularly dreary game in the cowshed one day and someone whipped out a cornetto and it went from there so details are quite sketchy but yeah to this day we, we sing just one cornetto and it's it's always a fan's favourite so yeah when we were naming the podcast we yeah thought it was the best the best idea perfect love it uh, Andy Ritchie as well uh, my dad talks very very highly of, of, of him as a player um, just how good was he uh, obviously you, you, <laughs> you weren't there to see it but I'm sure you know all about him as a player yeah going from Going from YouTube and obviously speaking to, to older generations of fans, it's, yeah, I think 
safe to say probably the the best player we've had playing for us. Um, it's probably the, the kind of popular opinion around Capolo. So yeah, he still still speak to him. He's he's a a very renowned faith around about Capolo. He's there on match days and does a few kind of commercial pieces for us here and there. So yeah, he's always about Capolo. Lovely, lovely guy and very knowledgeable about the game. Very well spoken. The the commentary that he was providing during the lockdowns when we're obviously um, producing club streams thought his commentary was excellent I think he, he definitely found his own there so yeah he's he's still around Capolo and yeah a really pleasant guy lovely stuff great to hear um, so obviously Celtic are taking on uh, Morton on Saturday um, big game for obviously Morton big game for Celtic first game in the, the Scottish Cup this season uh, what shape are Morton in currently as just not even necessarily form and stuff just as a football club how are things obviously coming through um, the um, the pandemic and everything what shape are you guys in? I think we're in a very positive place at the moment. The our fan group, Morton Club together, bought the club. Um, that was kind of confirmed last season and got all the legalities through. So, Excellent. yeah, that was obviously a, a big, big change after after twenty years of being owned by the Ray family and to now be a fan owned club debt free is a big, big. Yeah, it's a massive, a massive achievement for everyone involved and. Hopefully that then safeguards the future of the club for years to come. You then look, obviously, we had Gus McPherson as the kind of first manager under fan ownership. Didn't really, didn't really accomplish a great deal. We've then went, obviously, Emery was, Emery had played with the, Emery had played with distinction for us for a year. Obviously, it was a relegation season, not not a great deal to cheer about. But Emery was one of the few kind of silver linings of that season, and. So he was always, yeah, despite the relegation, he was very popular and the board decided to take a punt on him after McPherson left as a first-time manager. And yeah, he's, he's been very, very successful so far. I think he's built a built a very, very hard-working squad. And yeah, we've, we've came in this year, we've went to, to 4-3-3. It was something that he was looking to do last year, didn't quite have the squad that we're capable of it. So we're starting to see now, I think we're now at a point where every single player in the squad has either had either been signed by Emery or has had their contract extended by him. So this is now Dougie Emery's squad and we're playing exactly the sort of football that he likes. It's high intensity, it's physical. We are very, very difficult to play against. We're very hard to beat, which I think in a an unbelievably competitive championship yeah. yeah, that's it's always a good thing. Yeah, I mean, just looking at the the table just now, obviously you guys are fifth. You're only six points off Air United in second, but you also have a game in hand as well. And just looking at your your last two results were defeats as well. So is it a little <laughs> bit a little bit of frustration with that? A little. The yeah, the party game was a, a kind of ill-tempered affair up at Fur Hill. There tends to be a little bit of needle when the two teams play each other. Yeah. Um, I don't know how closely your listeners will maybe follow the championship. One of the kind of knock-on impacts that, that VAR's had in Scottish football is that there's obviously now a dozen Category 1 referees being used in the Premiership every week as opposed to six before VAR was introduced. Yeah. Um, that's had a, a knock-on effect in the championship in terms of we are getting referees who are definitely a downgrade in what we've had before. Wow, okay. Um, that's not a case of, of you know it's referees are going against us. I think it's we've seen kind of from Pie and Bovril and from other sources. You look, I think it's a source of frustration for 
every championship side we've had a few contentious penalties have went against us in recent weeks and yeah it's just our, our strongest results this year have came at home we've had kind of two big call-offs round about the festive period we had Air United at Capolo and Queen's Park at Capolo two big big games they were obviously they, they fell foul of the, the freezing conditions so yeah it's, it was kind of tough I thought Saturday was a game that we really had to win to get that bit of momentum back. We've obviously not played much over the last few weeks. Um, the Partick game again was kind of last kick of the ball, a, really a rubbish goal to concede right at the death after after such a hard fought game. So you were you were looking at Hamilton to to kind of steady the ship and get three points on the board. That didn't quite happen. So not quite the form we would have wanted heading into this one. But overall, it's yeah. Overall, it's still been a very positive season. And I think, given the second half of the season, we'll get quite a lot of home fixtures. Yeah, I'm not not overly concerned. I still think we'll definitely be in the mix for a playoff place come the end of the year. Yeah, great stuff. Um, Obviously, kind of uh, Queen's Park running away with it a little bit, which is interesting to see. Um, with, with the um, with the draw, how how was what was the kind of um, reaction by the fans and, and the club overall to the fact that um, going to Celtic Park? I think... I'm a fan of when it's this sort of stage in the cup. I would rather have the easiest route to progression. If yeah. you offered me, if you'd offered me, it would either have been get me to a new ground. You know, there was a good few kind of was a good few junior clubs and kind of lowland league clubs in the league. Eh, sorry, in the cup draw. Yeah, like, you know, give us a new ground to go to, or give us an easy, you know, give me Sterling Uni at home. <laughs> yeah, something um, like that. Yeah, um, I I don't want to be going to. Parkhead Ibrox um, at this sort of stage of the cup it's to be fair it's probably a nice relief from Fur Park our we seem to draw Motherwell every year or every second year up at Fur Park in the Scottish Cup and our record up there is dreadful we've taken a few absolute rinsings up there in recent years so aye nice to get a wee break from going to Fur Park but yeah not probably not the draw I would have fancied yeah obviously you know Celtic Turning over St Mirren on on Wednesday, which was from from, <laughs> from our point of view, a kind of a kind of good warm up. Um, is that something you kind of you kind of fear that you know Celtic? Like obviously being a Celtic fan, you know if if we look at like the Champions League and stuff, and that's a level above us probably. And obviously you are Celtic are a level above league wise. Yeah. Um, is it a fear of a drubbing? Yeah, there always is, but. I think when you look at how impressive Postacoglu's Celtic sides are, there will be better teams than us go to Parkhead and take a rinsing. Yeah. yeah. It's not... I don't think the result on Saturday will be season-defining for us either way. Yeah. Fair I think if we go if we go and pull off, obviously it was almost 10 years ago, the, the, kind of, the night in the League Cup that yeah. obviously Morton fans hold dear. That, that result didn't define our season that year. We were still relegated. It was still the most humiliating season I've had following the club. That sucks. Obviously, that's a massive silver lining. That that result was was obviously magic. So I think it's to say I I wouldn't necessarily say it's a free hit, but yeah, you know, if we go and say Celtic do stick five or six passes, I don't think it will define our season. And I think there's more than enough character in our dressing room at the moment that it won't derail us either. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree in, in regards to... I think if you 
go for it with Celtic. You know, you, you could kind of lose a few goals, but also you can kind of... It's, the, it's something we like and we dislike almost. You know, sometimes we're quite shocked when, when teams kind of play it, um, like press us quite high. So how, how do you think that um, Emery will kind of set up? Will it be kind of that low block, try and just sneak something on the counter or will he try something a bit different? We play quite high intensity football. We play quite, when we are out of possession, we are quite an intense team. We've got a lot of sprints. We go on harry teams, we go on unsettled teams. Now, obviously, we're not playing against teams of the calibre and the quality of Celtic every week. But I don't think we need, I, I really don't think we should deviate too far from that. And I then think, you look at St Mirren last night, who weren't particularly energetic. You know, they did, they, they sat in that low block, they tried to just kind of plug gaps and tried to frustrate you and uh, yeah, they didn't accomplish much by doing it. I think, I can't see Emery deviating too far from his style of play, whether he goes and looks at a shape change, particularly in light of a two results, two losses on the bounce. Not too sure about that, but yeah, I wouldn't like to see, we've had a very successful season playing high intensity, playing high intensity football. When we lose it, we go and harry, we go and press. I don't think there's much to be gained from our point of view by disrupting that too much. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, in regards to your your team, any kind of star players, anyone we should be kind of looking out for that's impressed you this season? There's a few. We've obviously we've got goalkeeper on loan from Livingston, um, Brian Schwacky. He very very good shot stopper. He's an agile guy. He you can tell that he's still learning his trade. He's erratic at times, but. In terms of championship level, a very, very good shot stopper and I think a very good goalkeeper at our level and very much still learning his trade. We've got, yeah, we've got a few. Jack Bairds, it's his second time at the club at centre-back. He has had a, a very impressive season. Grant Gillespie's one that kind of flew under the radar in the summer. It wasn't a signing that we were particularly impressed with, but very much the engine room. And just sitting in front of the back four, good passing range, very very capable of setting the tempo and kind of setting the way we want to play and making sure that we play the game at our tempo we've got a few you then look kind of other end of the pitch Robbie Muirhead's almost the kind of mercurial striker this is this is possibly the first season that we've seen Muirhead make good on his make good on his potential and make good on the technical abilities that he does that he does possess there's been a few absolute cracking strikes this year he's probably the sort of player that we're looking at on Saturday that could produce that moment of magic and could produce he, he has that in his locker I think there's been a few free kicks that he scored this year up at Furhill earlier in the season he scored an absolute an absolute worldie from 30 yards he's yeah he's, he's possibly the guy that you look at for, for that little bit of magic in our side Great stuff. Um, always good to have that sort of mercurial striker to kind of uh, focus your attacks on and such. Um, predictions? What are your predictions for the game? Oh, um, ah. <laughs> <laughs> there's always a chance. You know, it, it's without going through your da. You know, there's <laughs> there is always a chance. I think. I actually think our style of football, Celtic, not saying Celtic have struggled by any means this year, but there's been a couple of times where you've watched Celtic against teams that press and they've not looked as comfortable. Yeah. 
as opposed to teams that sit in the low block. So I think if we can go and frustrate, if we can go and harry and not let Celtic settle, anything can happen. We've obviously, we've been there before. Um, we've been there before, albeit I think Postacoglu's Celtic side are unrecognisable from the kind of Neil Lennon Celtic side that we beat. For all, there was some excellent players in that Celtic team, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a poor Celtic team by any stretch, but I think Postacoglu's taken that up a few levels while he's been here. And yeah, you know what? We'll see how we go. I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to make some bold prediction, but <laughs> there's absolutely no reason. You know, we'll go stick to our game, see where it takes us. And yeah. It's yeah, I don't <laughs> I'll not be making a massive bold prediction. Uh, that's what you know, that's what the cup's all about. I mean that that one nil victory uh, on the twenty fourth of September two thousand and thirteen. Is that something that kind of you talk about uh, as fans? You talk about regular? Yeah, I think obviously Emery coming back to the clubs made a massive. That was obviously a an excellent opportunity to to look back on that, and then obviously Ambrose, um, former Morton Player of the Year, he won one of our supporters' clubs Player of the Years that year. Obviously, get relegated. There wasn't a few. There weren't many outstanding candidates, so we decided to give it to Ambrose. But <laughs> yeah, there's it's not obviously it's not you don't spend every every minute of every day looking at it, but yeah, it's certainly not certainly not been forgotten by any stretch of the imagination. Um just in regard to uh the fact that you had Stephen Welsh on loan at Morton. Yes. Um can you tell us a little bit about his time there? Um he was Possibly unfortunate in that it was David Hopkins he was working under. Um, we It was a season where I was working abroad, so I didn't see too much of him in the flesh. But the games that I did see, it was it was clear for all to see that he was not a fullback and wasn't comfortable with fullback. Yeah. And I was, I was speaking to someone, it was actually a Rangers coach not long ago, and he'd kind of said the way that Welsh had been treated at Morton has pretty much scuppered any kind of future chance of a loan deal, which is obviously frustrating to hear. All right. But from what you, from what we watched of him, he was, you could tell he was raw, but the potential was there. I think the few games that he did play at centre-back, he, you could see his quality, his quality was evident. And, yeah, it's, there's obviously there's been a regime change. Been a regime change, a few managers since then. It's from our point of view, from a club point of view, it's quite frustrating that that kind of reputation still hangs over us. But that's that's something that is going to take time to solve. But yeah, it's, I think by all accounts anyway, just certainly a player that you could tell was destined for bigger and better things. And I know he's kind of touted to be leaving Celtic in the near future, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, that's the kind of big uh, big news at the moment. Yeah, you you would like to see him get a move, whether it's down south or abroad. I think it's, I would like to see more Scottish players going abroad. We've obviously got a couple over in Italy at the moment. And yeah. I think, I know I'm possibly biased having coached abroad for a few years. I think it is something that would be a massive benefit to the Scottish game. If we've got more players, more coaches, not necessarily go, oh, well, let's just go to England because that's where the money is. There's a big, there's a big, big world out there with plenty of football and styles. Yeah, I think Welsh, Welsh definitely has the potential to play at a very, very good level. And I think, yeah, I would like to see him go 
yeah, go and try, go and try abroad rather than just looking down at England. I couldn't agree more. I love seeing Scottish players and players from the Scottish Premiership being, you know, playing in, in Serie A. It's, you know, reinv- reinvigorated my sort of uh, love for, for watching it. So it's really good to see. I just want to finish by, I was thinking about, uh, I, I knew there was something about Doogie Emery. There's a pub in Glasgow City Centre called Stereo. And uh, I once took a picture of a piece of graffiti and the piece of graffiti said, Doogie Emery is king. Um, so uh, I'll, 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 send, I'll send you a picture of that and let you see it but did, hopefully he's not hopefully from a Celtic point of view he's not king in, uh, on Saturday but uh, Dean this has been an absolute pleasure thanks for getting involved sir no thank you very much for inviting me on pleasure as ever Thanks very much to Dean McKinnon for taking the time uh, from the Just One Cornetto Morton podcast. I uh, appreciate that. Um, See if Cornettos didn't have nuts or you could just take the nuts off, would they appeal to you more? Uh, the only thing I like, the only corn- Cornetto I like is Jim Cornetto. Um, <laughs> he's a pro wrestling... He's a pro wrestling troll. He's brilliant. He's the greatest. He's, he's the GOAT. Um, Celtic versus Morton tomorrow. Uh You've named your lineup. This is this really is one where you want to get the opportunity that these guys, these kind of uh, players who maybe aren't starting every week, you want them to to grab their opportunity, and that doesn't always happen. Paul, is there a, is there a fear that you know there's just again you mentioned Ange Postecoglou, he doesn't really let that sort of apathy creep in. If we win two 0 I'm fine with that. Do you just, just want? Do you just want this game done? Yeah, this isn't. This is a game for people to get a bit of match fitness and maybe a wee boost in confidence. Um, I don't think you need to be risking your top stars unless you know it's eighty minutes in and we're one 0 down. Oh my god, why did I even Fuck suggest call, that Jesus. situation? Um, uh, yeah, I think the, at this stage it's really just a run out. Um, yes, yeah, concentrate on the league. Um, in regards to the a prediction, talk me through it. Three 0 Celtic. Goal I scorers, please. Goals will be scored by. I think Kyogo will score because we're seeing what a run of form he's on. By the way, I mean, right? I'm a night. Like I want to talk about Celtic a wee bit and just about how I, how I watch a game. I am a complete nihilist, right? And the, so the game against um, we played in midweek against. St Mirren St Mirren thank you and for the first like 10 minutes of that game I was like oh my god this is shite we are shite Ange Postecoglou's a fraud Callum McGregor's finished Kyogo's never going to score again Starfelt's Bambi um, so I go to this like worst case scenario right for everything yeah that's just you know that's a classic nihilist trait Scal. Um but that's how I have to like I don't think you know what a nihilist is Paul uh, but I anyway I have to go I have to go to like into the crevasse I have to really feel those negative emotions with Celtic because it's Celtic and because it's just and it's just it, it, being a Celtic fan is just an, an crazy insane experience so where am I going with this that kind of writing off everything that's happened over the past couple of years and assuming we're going to lose is my coping mechanism for watching Celtic. Yeah. So even in a game against Morton, I still have to kind of assume that we're going to lose. <laughs> Jesus Christ, <laughs> Morton. Um, we've played them a lot recently in the, the Scottish Cup. You know, we beat them 3-0 in 91-92. We beat them 2-0 uh, in 97-98. We beat them 3-0 uh, 98-99. We beat them 1-0 2000 
2015, 16, and 2015, 16, we beat them 3-0. And the 3-0, it's 3-0 at home in 25, 15, 16, 3-0, 91, 92. Like, we're, we beat them 3-0 or 2-0 in the Scottish Cup at Celtic Park. So, you know, we've got that kind of going for us. Um, we're going to have a, a we well a Celtic FC women also take on Partick Thistle at home on Sunday. It's a four ten kickoff. Uh, Claire and Lorenzo. We'll talk about that on the Celtic Women's Football Show next week. Um, we're all kind of gutted and disappointed by the the nil nil draw um, with uh, Motherwell um, during the week, which after gaining ground on Rangers and Glasgow City to kind of kind of give up the ghost so quickly and so easily is just very disappointing but we'll be there uh, and uh, yeah you should head along um, but also as I say Claire, Claire and Lorenzo will talk about it on the Celtic Women's Football Show um, what's up on the Cynic this week uh, Saturday we've got the reaction Celtic versus Morton Paul Carlin Claire Wilde Stuart Duggan it's the dream um, you'll be hosting that one Paul I'm looking forward to that it's a great panel for that um, uh, I'm looking forward to this game I, I, I like early kick off on a Saturday um, get your we, business done nice and early. Yeah. You get the rest of the day, enjoy yourself. Hopefully, we'll have the weather will be like it is today. Be- absolutely beautiful here in Campus Lang. Um, so, uh, looking forward to that reaction. But I've not done a reaction for ages. Yeah, looking forward to it. Superb. Uh, and then we have obviously the transfer committee on Sunday, uh, which will be dropping at 12. Um, and it was a joyous two hours, I think it is. Uh, there's a, a fun transfer game. Bowd and uh, Ian on great form and Christian doing some terrific work. Oh, was it the game where like, the, you've got 30 seconds to decide? What it's you were, three oh, minutes, yeah. I, I love both, that. I love yeah, that. The pressure yeah. stuff's great. Um, couple of questions. We're going to finish with a wee quiz before we do fact or fiction. Uh, Paul Carlin, how many times have Celtic won the Scottish Cup? 45. 40. That's the first one. Well, when was the last time that Celtic lost a Scottish Cup final? Oh, Kilmarnock. Was that a League Cup? A Scottish Cup final? It wasn't Kilmarnock. Uh, I'm going to say uh, a 2004. Two, 2004 was Larson's one, you fucking Fuck. t- Five. Two. Uh, we lost to Rangers 3-2 it was horrible don't know why I brought it up uh, Celtic have won the double 19 times what other two clubs have won the double in Scotland obviously the f- club formerly known as Rangers uh, who before they went out of business are the other one but who's the, the third club well I would have thought Aberdeen just because of the success they've had or the United I'll say them United ah, it was, it's Aberdeen God save them I'm, I'm 0 for 3 you're 0 for 3 wow uh, and who was the last player to score for Celtic in a Scottish Cup final this one's really difficult it's like just because it's weird last player to score for Celtic in a Scottish Cup final so two years ago uh, Christopher Iyer the penalty against Hearts That's, that is correct but in play oh uh Edward scored the second. The third goal was um, good. Good memory. Good memory, Paul. Uh, the third goal was oh god! I'm just gonna have to take a punt. I'm going to say Elianusi, Lee Griffiths. Griffiths. Um, just some other facts: record Scottish Cup attendance: 147,365. Celtic versus Aberdeen, Hampden Park, 1938. <laughs> like. That number? 146,000. <laughs> it's like half now, right? Was uh, Hamden about 50,000? 50, it's like 55, I think. 50. By the way, Hamden's fucking crap. It's a crap. So, was that, sorry to a detour, was that the game last uh, last Saturday? Shout out to Claire Boyle for sorting me out with a ticket. Um, that stadium is fucking rubbish. It's not fit for purpose. 
at all. Um, it's horrible. Uh, Celtic's record Scottish Cup final victory, six, Celtic 6, uh, Hibs 1, 1972. Dixie Dean's got a hat-trick, and um, we had that on tape. And oh. I, used to, I used to watch that all the time, like in the 90s. For, and just yeah great it was on it was a, like a sports scene Scott Sport special that they showed old Scottish Cup finals and um, I watched it and it was great uh, most Scottish Cup most Scottish Cup appearances 94 from uh, King Billy McNeil most Scottish Cup goals 74 from Jimmy McGrory record Scottish Cup final appearances 8 from Bobby Lennox record Scottish Cup final wins by a manager 14 by Willie Maley uh, record consecutive Scottish Cup wins uh, you won't all be surprised it's uh, the four of the quadruple treble looking forward to the game tomorrow excited um, lots coming up on the Senate this weekend as well and lots coming up uh, next week as always uh, we're going to finish on Factor Fiction Paul Carlin is this where uh, you tell me something and I tell you if, you if I tell you if they are in fact fact or in fact fiction fuck up alright <laughs> It's I ask you I ask two questions and you state if they are fact or fiction and why. I just happen to one day say I ask you two questions and you state if they are in fact fact or I fiction. Love that. I love it. Uh question number one. This season's Scottish Cup final will not involve Rangers. Fact. I'm not gonna come on this podcast <laughs> and give them fucking anything. <laughs> Don't give them a fucking anything. Uh, who have they got? They've got uh St Johnson? St Johnson, yeah. Are we? Yeah, it's it's in Perth, and there's a lot of. Um, I'm sure our friend Craig Angus would be would know more about it, but there's a lot of problems because a lot of the Saints fans are boycotting it. Oh yeah. So St Johnson came out with a statement saying, "Sorry, going to come, uh, but we understand if you don't want to come because basically they've opened up the four stands and they've given them all the tickets to Rangers." That's. I can see why you would be angry as a fan of St Johnson. Yeah. I hope they smash them. St Johnson smash Rangers. Yeah, of course. Uh, fact or fiction? Question number two. Callum McGregor will be a treble winning captain. <gasps> oh, yeah, I'm going to say fact. I'm not going to come on this podcast and <laughs> uh, he deserves it, Gal. I love Callum McGregor. I think since he came back from injury, he's looked imperious. Oh, I hasn't, hasn't skipped a beat. Um, and I'm really excited about the possibility now with having a Wata who can deputising the six, pushing McGregor forward a bit. We've all talked about how much we like McGregor as an eight. Take some of the pressure off Hatati, O'Reilly and Moy. Just mix up that pool a little bit. Um, I think he deserves it. He deserves it. And, you know, the way we're playing this season, we can definitely win the treble this season. Of course we can. We should always aim to win the treble every season. Aim to win everything. Yeah. Um, I love it. Yeah, fact. Love it. Uh, Paul Carlin an absolute joy recording in person um, thank you very much sir happy birthday also not just Kyogo and Claire Wilde Buzz Aldrin and David Lynch oh David Lynch's birthday legends only today superb great stuff um, yeah great uh, Paul Carlin pleasure from Paul Carlin from myself Chris Gallagher this has been the weekend update have a great weekend everyone and we'll speak to you down the road <laughs> <laughs>